There's a man in the middle of Oklahoma with a secret. Lots of people have secrets, but he says this one could change the world, save millions of lives. And I'm not the only one who wants to hear it, so he won't tell me over the phone. Because it's been chased by others before me, desperate, dying people, celebrities, con men, cult leaders, federal agents, and foreign government officials. If I want to know this secret, he tells me, I'm going to have to get in the car and drive. So that's what I do. Drive 1,500 miles from my home near Philadelphia. And the whole time, I know I'm being followed. Followed by the colossal data-sucking tech companies that make all the apps on my phone. By the toll booths pinging my license plate as I cross state lines. And by whatever aircrafts enforce the speed limit along America's loneliest highways, if you really believe those warning signs. All those long hours in the car, I'm torn between wanting to believe that this secret is really worth the drive and hoping that I'm not in way over my head. By the time I reach this dusty little farm town to meet this stranger, somebody I've only talked to for a few minutes over the phone, I'm pretty on edge. What is this secret I'm about to hear? And who the hell is this stranger? Is this him right here in the pickup truck? Still, I'm trying to sound casual. Hey, Tommy. How you doing? How are you? It's great to meet you. You too. I appreciate it. All right, so what should we do? Let's go drive around for a minute. He takes us three and a half long miles north. The small town disappears in the rearview mirror. We make our way up an old dirt road toward the Great Salt Plains Lake Dam in northern Oklahoma. Out here, there's barely any cell signal. No toll booths, no airplane cops either. Only Tommy is watching me now, through the corner of his eye, as he drives. Well, we can go walk up and look at the lake. Yeah, still like. We park, and he leads me up a set of stairs, high above the lake, all the way to the top of the dam, the water rushing down. I start to think that this could be a setup. And then I realize, so does Tommy. That's the whole reason we're up here, out of sight. Our voices drowned out by the noise of the dam. I've been nervous about you coming <laughs> to talk to you, yes. But you know what? <clears throat> when I died 33 years ago, I learned that our death was marked before we were born. And so I'm not worried. Let him come. From the Pulse at WHYY in Philadelphia and local transmedia, this is Serum. I'm Grant Hill. About two years before I met Tommy in Oklahoma, I got in another stranger's car, this time in Philadelphia. It was September 2019. I had just learned I landed an internship with WHYY, the local NPR station, and I was drunk. I splurged on a case of cheap beer to celebrate with a buddy of mine, and by the time we ran out, it was late. I was in no shape to walk the mile back to my brother's apartment where I was staying that night, so I called a cab using a ride-hailing app. It was supposed to be a seven-minute trip. It took nearly 43 because this is the man who picked me up. 
They talk in quads and trillions. That's how they talk. They don't talk millions and billions. They talk quads. That is Clyde Ashley Sherman. His friends call him Sherman. He was the number one Lyft driver in all of Philadelphia. At least, that's what he told me. Like a lot of cab drivers, Sherman liked to talk. He quickly asked me what I did. I told him I was a journalist and left out the internship part. That was all I was able to say, because from then on, it was the Sherman show. See, for Sherman, the Lyft gig was only temporary. He was really in the entertainment industry, he said. Sherman claimed he used to work in Hollywood as Jamie Foxx's assistant, a job he had been fired from at least three times. Back in LA, Sherman said he was a regular on movie sets and often hobnobbed with celebrities. On breaks, he would sometimes play chess with Tom Cruise, he said. The fun ended after a family member got sick. Sherman had to come to Philly and trade in those brushes with stardom for, well, conversations with random drunk guys like me. But he hadn't completely given up on the industry. He was waiting on a big business deal to go through overseas with an international media company he was involved with. It was going to be huge news, he told me, and he'd give me the scoop when it was all sorted. I thanked him as we approached my destination, right on time. But as Sherman slowed to a stop, he cocked his head toward the back seat, raised his eyes, and said he had an even bigger story for me, if I wanted to hear it. But, he warned, it was Old Testament kind of stuff. That's when I pulled out my phone and started to record. And he told me this story, his reason for living. But I knew my reason for living, my raison d'etre per se. It was to fulfill a promise to a scientist. Is to get this message, because the scientist kind of made me promise. He said, God told me you're going to be the one to bring the message to the world, not me. The scientist Sherman made this promise to was a brilliant black doctor from Tulsa, Oklahoma, named Gary Davis. According to Sherman, in the early 1990s, Davis discovered a cure for AIDS. As Sherman told it, the whole thing came to Gary Davis in a dream. A dream where the doctor saw himself drawing blood from a goat. The doctor had watched HIV ravage his community, and he apparently believed this was a sign from God, that goat's blood could eliminate the virus. Davis didn't know exactly how, but now thanks to this dream, he knew it could. The vehicle for this cure would be a serum, one he would give away to the world. But Dr. Davis said it was all useless without Sherman's help. My Lyft driver, Sherman, was key to getting the cure for AIDS off the ground and in the hands of those who needed it most. But I think I'm supposed to, I'm doing that talk, God used ordinary people to do extraordinary things, and God will find someone who will know exactly what to do with me. And all I want to do is just share this information. I don't care who gets the glory and all that patent. To be honest, I started thinking Sherman was messing with me after he mentioned the whole Tom Cruise chess game thing. But this settled it. I was being taken for a ride in more ways than one. Interesting. Very interesting. I tried to find excuses to politely exit the car. Fine, I got your, I got your name, I got your story. You're definitely going to look into it. But Sherman just kept talking. The last thing I'll tell you is if you really want to... Sherman told me more about the doctor's dream, more about his time working on the medicine, more about the lucky few who are still alive today because of that work and the millions who are not because of how it all went wrong. 
Sherman railed against the FDA for never giving this treatment a fair shot. And he especially focused his ire on some obscure DC bureaucrat I never heard of then. His name, Anthony Fauci. You understand what I'm saying is totally true? I'm gonna scare you a little bit, but he told me we have to bring Gary Davis had died, never having the chance to get this treatment off the ground. So as Sherman put it, the FDA's decision, along with other health officials in Washington, had left those looking for a cure beholden to big corporations getting rich from mere treatments. Introduced the poison. The poison ignores everything in the white blood cells except what I want. I waited for a pause. A moment for Sherman to catch his breath. Then, finally, I had my chance. He seemed to have finished his story. I opened the door and thanked him for the ride. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Sherman left me with one more warning. If I was actually interested in pursuing the story of the goat doctor, I should tread lightly and watch my back. Test you, they want to come at you. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Clyde, thank you so much. I appreciate you talking to me. You're a journalist. Yeah. Perfect. Thanks, Clyde. I finally headed up to my brother's apartment. It was late, I was pretty tired, and definitely still a little drunk. I was confident Sherman was flat out lying, either to me or to himself. I didn't know which. But it didn't really matter, because by the time I reached the door of the apartment, I was already checking out Sherman's Instagram account. At first, it was just about exactly what I had expected. Videos of him rambling inside supermarkets, some old family photos and bad memes, but I scrolled down, and then I discovered something different. Post after post of Sherman arm in arm with just about every popular figure you could imagine from the last 30 years. Donald Trump, Barack Obama, LeBron James, Chris Rock, Magic Johnson, and there he was, Jamie Foxx. Well, okay, I thought. Maybe Sherman was just a world-class photobomber or something. I scrolled more and stumbled on something a lot weirder. Of course, Sherman was in this photo too, with his trademark smile, looking much younger than he did in the lift. But next to him was this other guy, a face I didn't recognize, a short black man, bald, with glasses. Both he and Sherman donned white lab gowns, and in between them, vials filled with a milky liquid. Hmm, well, I certainly wasn't going to call it a night after seeing that. I kept scrolling until I hit another photo. This one was of two guys sitting on opposite sides of a chessboard. The game had just begun. Only two pawns were played. On one end of the board, the player controlling the black pieces wore a cool half smile and stuck out his thumb and pinky, doing one of those surfs up gestures. It was Tom Cruise. On the other side, there was Sherman, grinning directly at the camera, directly at me, like he was three moves ahead. All right, by then I'd seen enough. The celebrity photos, the mysterious laboratory paraphernalia. I had to know more about what the hell Sherman was talking about and if any of it could be true. So I spent the next few days re-listening to my conversation with Sherman in his car. On some level, I knew the whole AIDS cure thing was typical bad conspiracy theory stuff. Neighborhood doctor stumbles upon forbidden knowledge that could save millions only to have it all suppressed for profit. But on the other hand, I couldn't shake just how many small details kept checking out from Sherman's story. I searched around and found that 
Yes, he had actual film credits for his work with Jamie Foxx. And he also really had been voted the number one Lyft driver in all of Philadelphia. So I got an email saying I'm being recognized for Lyft as driver of the year. So I'm at a banquet, right? This is from Sherman's YouTube channel, where you can relive thousands of moments from his life. Anything from a dinner at Applebee's to his dad's funeral. And also this. April 3rd, 2007. God's miraculous worker returned to heaven. I can't believe what I'm writing is really real. A man the Lord placed on this earth so he could heal. They say we all have a time, but this is too quick. Though we never promised a day, so we pray. And just to say to whom this song's dedicated, a very brilliant man, Dr. Gary Davis, a true warrior and the founder of the cure to the AIDS virus at the same time researching more. Sherman posted this video in 2012. It's called The Adventures of Clyde Sherman and Dr. Gary R. Davis Remaking the AIDS Treatment. It's 23 minutes long and plays like a highlight reel pulled together from old camcorder footage and photographs and songs, apparently, about the duo's epic journey. The video begins with a snippet of grainy footage of two people seated inside a large white room. The first person seen clearly is a blonde white woman. She takes off her coat and swings it around the back of her chair like she's ready to get to work. The camera pans and reveals the profile of a bald black man. He looks excited too, as he air drums along to Elton John's Are You Ready For Love? It's him, the same guy from Sherman's Instagram post. So this goat doctor was definitely real, animate at least, but how real was his scientific work, his alleged discovery of a cure derived from goat's blood? When it came to that question, Sherman's video wasn't much help. Aside from some scientific-looking scribbles on a whiteboard and a few names mentioned in the credits, it was basically just a slideshow of Gary Davis in a lab or in meetings or playing the piano. None of it looked legit at all. There's no explanation as to what's going on in the footage or the photos. There's no data on what they were working on, nor any testimonials from the individuals involved. I mean, Sherman appears twice in a Speedo, and the last quarter of the video is just more photos of him and celebrities. But luckily, I didn't have to rely solely on Sherman's cinematography. A deeper dive into Gary Davis surfaced a smattering of decades-old news coverage from all over the country that highlighted the doctor's work. I'm now for part two of our special report on what some believe to be a miracle cure for AIDS developed by a Tulsa doctor. Yeah, here again is Fox 23's Jenna Clark. She continues this Fox 23. From local TV news stations in Tulsa and Houston to big national platforms like the BBC and the Washington Post, Gary Davis was no stranger to attention. Dr. Gary Davis of Tulsa, Oklahoma. Dr. Gary Davis, his so-called goat serum. Then I'm going to see the goat doctor. The reports offered some additional details about the doctor's life, how he attended Dartmouth Medical School then briefly worked at the National Naval Medical Center in Maryland, and finally opened his own practice back in Tulsa, Oklahoma. He was a respected physician. Then, seemingly out of nowhere, the doctor's life takes a turn. The dream, the goats, the obsession. According to those old news stories, Davis spent years developing this goat serum as a cure, only to have the FDA ultimately reject his request to conduct human trials. The FDA had no comment about Dr. Davis's findings. However, other AIDS experts are skeptical of Dr. Davis's work. Dr. Anthony Fauci of the National Institutes of Health. Not only is there not any basis for it to work, 
but there is evidence to the contrary that it won't work because this type of approach has been tried before in an even more sophisticated way. So there was skepticism from experts, but I wasn't able to find any hard evidence either way, no links to peer-reviewed studies or anything like that. What I did find was a lot of incredible rumors. Deep within no-name internet forums and random YouTube channels, I found videos and chats about Davis. Recent ones, too. Talk that the government had sunk Davis's serum and had wanted him dead. That he'd been murdered. They killed him. This is heartbreaking. I bet they killed him. Gary Davis was recently poisoned at an airport. If this man really didn't have the cure for AIDS, then why was he poisoned? It all seemed so over the top. Who would want to kill this doctor? Especially one working on a cure for AIDS. And did the treatment even work? It made me wonder if there was any real evidence about the serum out there, any at all. Did Sherman know anything more? Maybe he had some long lost paperwork tucked away in some filing cabinet, or hell, in the glove compartment of his car that could crack this whole thing wide open or put it all to bed. I wanted to talk to him again this time sober. That's if I could get a hold of him. Thanks for calling. You meet Sherman. I started messaging Sherman just three days after our conversation in his car, but he was kind of a weird texter. He would respond to long messages of mine with just LOL. At one point, he called me a nimrod. It was suddenly hard to get him to engage. Eventually, he asked me again if I really wanted to do this how I was messing with powerful people, and I should know that. I said yes, but he seemed a little freaked out now. Different. Hey, Clyde. Hey, Clyde. Hey, man. Hey, what's up? You're a hard man to, uh, to, to, to reach. Nah, man, I just fell asleep. I was, should be working, but... I had to go to the doctor, I had to get the car repaired, and I laid down, and then I was supposed to wake up at five, but... Well, maybe not that different. I'm just happy that uh, we were able to figure it out, finally. Cool. Um, I don't know, you seemed a little sketched out with me, and I hope you're not sketched out with me. Well, it's not that, it's just that at the core of all this is a, a very special little spiritual thing that people usually eliminate themselves with statements like that. I mean, you know, that's why I think some of the things that you need some harsh documents. You say credibility data. You were asking for documents, and I have no documents. Sherman didn't have any studies to prove that the serum worked, but he told me I didn't need that. He said he knew people who had taken it and were still alive because of it. I should just talk to them. I told him I'd look into it, but for the time being, I was interested in hearing just how Sherman got involved with the goat doctor in the first place. It was a simple question. The answer was anything but. It was sometime in the early 2000s. Sherman couldn't remember the exact date or year. He was still living in LA, hanging with celebrities, when he heard that a doctor was coming to town, looking for investors to get in on a cure for AIDS. Sherman was hooked. He requested a meeting with this doctor, Gary Davis, and even sent a limo to the airport to win his favor. Yeah, he was in 
impressed and I think they had a good time. Sherman says he tagged along as Davis shopped the serum around to different investors, like big-time Hollywood studio executives and sports stars like John Sally, a four-time NBA champion. The FDA rejection had left the serum all but dead in the water, and Davis needed deep pockets to resuscitate it. I was kind of fascinated with scientists who talked to God, Nobody was willing to invest. From here, the story gets pretty wild. Sherman tells me someone had made a call, and suddenly the Nation of Islam got involved, wanted Davis to have a super secret meeting with Louis Farrakhan. And everybody's always scared about the government, saying the government doesn't want the South, they're going to kill us. He was more like scared. She definitely scared me. Supposedly, Sherman, Dr. Davis, and the rest of their camp met up with representatives of the Nation of Islam at Magic Johnson's TGI Fridays in L.A. We got in, we got that really big circular booth right off the bar, and these two guys, like six foot, six one, three-quarter suit, Muslim guys with bow tie, staying there, suited down like two, like two pillars, like two big rock wilders in they're trying to get us to go underground and meet the nation and meet Farrakhan so that the Muslims have to protect us. Because they were convinced that the United States government was going to kill us. Did you think they were? Did you think the the U.S. government was out to get you as well? Or you just well, had no idea I, I, at this point? I, I, I knew that it was controversial stuff. Sherman tells me that after listening to their pitch, Davis told the Nation of Islam, no thank you. Then, one by one, Everyone awkwardly scooted out of the booth at the TGI Fridays, past the jacked bodyguards, and called it a day. Davis returned home to Tulsa soon after. But Sherman remained interested in the work and started helping Davis with monotonous stuff like filing patents and submitting additional information to the FDA. The FDA, the IND number BB7075, everything had to have that on it. We submitted it for consideration to do human trials in the United States. And then the FDA was sent to let it back saying no. Frustrated, Sherman says Davis sought alternatives. I get a phone call, October 2003, and it's a scientist, and he's in France. And he says, Sherman, I have an investor. So Sherman hopped on a flight. But soon, this connection to European investors turned out to be problematic. He was some guy who wanted by the FBI that was in, in over there hiding, and no one knew that. Then Davis had another dream from God. He wanted to go to Africa. He said, Sherman, God came to me again. Sherman, God told me I have to take you to where the face of eight lives and breathes. So we've got to go to Africa. Africa seemed promising, and Sherman says eventually the doctor got to do human trials there. But Sherman couldn't stick around to see it through. He had a life to go back to in the U.S. And Dr. Davis went along with the medicine and did human trials in Ghana. And I returned back to the United States Christmas Eve 2003. And that was that. The adventures of Clyde Ashley Sherman and Dr. Gary R. Davis were over. Just three years later, the doctor would be dead. But for Sherman, the whole thing never really ended. His reason for living, to get this serum out into the world, to eradicate a disease that continues to kill hundreds of thousands each year, it's still unfinished. Sherman insists the FDA shut down Davis's trials in the U.S. for no reason. 
As our conversation wraps up, he tells me to find out why. If I were to succeed, he'd talk to me again. Maybe drop a few more breadcrumbs. I mean, the number ID BB775 was assigned to Dr. Davis, so they can't give that number to anybody else. So I did what Sherman asked. I submitted a Freedom of Information Act request with the FDA seeking any and all information pertaining to IND number BB7075. But something like this request can take months, years even. I felt stuck. I did some more digging around Sherman's YouTube channel, and I found these videos from 2014. He was still trying to get the serum out there then. And I'm Edward, somebody who met with Dr. Davis, who actually was there in the trenches with Doc. In one, he's lobbying for the serum in Washington, D.C. I'm here at the Canadian Embassy in D.C. And it's nice. With a bunch of people nice. who had traveled there by private jet. Technically, Edward is saying it may be in Ghana by the end of the month to try to see where we are with the medicine that Dr. Davis left there and frozen. But he wouldn't talk to me about any of that, not until I heard back from the FDA. So I figured out a different next step. Find someone who could at least corroborate Sherman's story and go from there. But who? Should I ring up Paramount Pictures and ask if anyone there remembers meeting with the goat doctor and this guy Sherman at some point 20 years ago? Maybe email the Nation of Islam? Eventually, I tried my luck with a six foot 11 vegan, an animal rights activist nicknamed the spider who was the first NBA player to earn a championship ring in three different decades. That's right, John Sally. Hey, hold one second, okay? He said yes, he had met Gary Davis. He came to me to my fraternity brother. Was this a fraternity brother, was this Clyde Ashley Sherman? Yes. At the time, John had just begun hosting a show on BET. And guess who his co-worker was? A boisterous fellow Omega Sci-Fi member by the name of Clyde Ashley Sherman. Because, you know, they'd come and said, hey, this guy is an ex-military guy. He had a dream. Out of his dream, he figured out how to cure the AIDS virus. I think he's amazing. He was bubbly. He was uh, nice. Uh, he's not one of those doctors that made you feel like you're an idiot because you didn't know anything. And a lot of doctors do that, you know. Davis presented a compelling pitch, and the topic hit close to home for John. See, my whole deal is one of my best friends died in 95, named Thomas from uh, HIV. It was ravaging through our neighborhood. And I thought if he could really help people and we can really get it done, then, you know, hey, here we go. And John had somebody specific in mind who he wanted to get this serum to. I wanted to introduce him to Magic Johnson. But John was afraid of what bad actors might do to Davis if they found out about it. I said he needs security. I get in touch with the Nation of Islam because I don't trust. Yeah. And I rushed to get his information over to uh, the minister. And I don't even know if it totally got all the way to Minister Farrakhan. I know. It got to, uh, to his security, so we did have a whole bunch of people securing him at that time. Yeah, actually Sherman is how I learned of Dr. Davis too. Um, but uh, he told me about this meeting that they had with the Nation of Islam at, uh, at Ashley Magic Johnson's TGI Fridays at one point. I don't know if you remember that or heard anything about that or not. I would think that that would be correct. 
John wasn't there at the meeting and didn't say whether Davis had rebuffed the offer for security, as Sherman told me. I just decided, hey, let's get some protection around him if this is real. And, you know, I wanted to get it to Magic Johnson right away because I didn't know what Magic was under or how. I don't know if he was trusting. Obviously, whatever he was doing made him a billion dollars and kept him alive. So, uh, As far as you know, did, did Dr. Davis ever have any meetings with Magic Johnson? Um, I don't know. It wasn't, on my, it wasn't by me, though. John said he was hands-off with Davis. He made some connections, tried to help him out while he was in L.A., but that was about it. Then the next thing I hear, yo, he died from a heart attack. And I'm like, oh my God, I told you. Like, Let me go back. The reason I knew the, the way he was going about it is he was trying to get as much noise about it as possible was if, if you have a cure, that word is a dangerous word in America. If you have something that may stop the e uh, may stop dis-ease or may reverse the uh, effects of dis-ease, it's 20 years for you to go through testing and about a billion dollars for you to be on the market. He never was going to have that money to do that because the money is not in the cures and the medicine. And I think he, it took until I met him to realize that that's why he was trying to make as much noise and the public sector as possible, as opposed to the private sector. When you met him, was he worried about his safety? No, because he was military. Those guys think they're invincible. <laughs> I was worried about it. John Sally told me lots of things. He didn't trust Big Pharma or its regulators, and he found Davis's sudden death suspicious. But he didn't offer up any real evidence of foul play besides his own intuition. He also said he didn't know anybody who took the serum, who actually got their hands on it. So far, several people had called the serum a cure. But had anybody actually been cured by it? Who even took this stuff? That's who I wanted to talk to next. So I returned to those newspaper articles, TV reports, and the comment section chatter, looked for more names, names of people who maybe used the serum. And yeah, there were some that kept popping up. Seven-year-old Precious Thomas doesn't know how to quit. Bobby Cowan is dying of AIDS. A woman named Rocky Thomas who says she loved Were they still around? And if so, where? Finally. Hello? Next time on Serum, three people who were way more desperate to discover the truth about the doctor than I could ever be. I contacted them and they made sure I got what I needed and I made sure she got what she needed and she, we walked up out of Children's Hospital. Serum is a production of WHYY's The Pulse and Local Transmedia. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Serum Podcast. Our engineer is Charlie Kyer. Serum is produced and edited by Mike and Scott, with additional editing from Liz Tung and Jad Slayman, and support from Lindsay Lazarski and Nicole Curry. It's written and reported by me, Grant Hill. Serum was made possible in part with support from the Commonwealth Fund. Original music for this podcast was produced by me and Brandon Tomei. Our artwork was created by Michael Danley, graphic design by Myth Partners in Philadelphia. Special thanks to Mary Purcell, Joe Cashman, and the Hill family for their support. <laughs>